Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. We're glad you're here today. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena. I'm a writer and producer, and I'm happy to be with my sisters to give a give a chat. Give a chat today. What's up, Jewel? What are you doing there in Dallas? <laughs> the same old thing I'm doing every week, Leanne. I am here in my closet. Uh, happy to be here, as, as you would say. Um, I'm the oldest sister. I'm an empty nester. Um, I do satellite sisters. And then, of course, I have a, a giant role as uh, Urban Nana, a, a, a grandmother to five grandchildren. Um, we're on school break now, so Nana Academy's kind of uh, rolled up. But um, but other than that, I'm just happy to be here. Okay. Liz, what's going on in Santa Monica? Well, this is Liz. I'm the middle sister. You know, the big revelation this week, Lee, and I've realized after all this time, now that I'm doing a lot of laying on my living room floor, looking up the ceiling, trying to do exercises on my own, that I have a lot of small cracks in my ceiling that I'm not sure... I'm not sure why. Were they always there? Are they new? I don't know, because I never looked at the ceiling so much, Leanne. So there you go. Revelation of the week. Wow. They, they just keep coming. There's a lot, of... <laughs> a lot of learning going on. Liz, mm-hmm. you're going to be a whole new person if you can ever leave your condominium. Well, maybe this week you can. We're going to talk about that. Some bigger cities are, uh, quote unquote, opening up this week. And it seems like Everything we thought we knew last week, we have to adjust to this week. So we're going to talk about that going out uh, in the age of COVID. What are people doing? How are they handling it? What are your what, what are your fears? Where do you feel comfortable? We're going to talk about that. Um, Julie, you're bringing us a story about uh, online education, the educational right. experiment uh, that all of America's children just went through. Right. That's right, Leanne. You know, we're coming to the end of the school year for most kids and uh, there's some interesting research that's um, that's being uh, developed, and I'm going to share it with you. It's no big surprise. It didn't really work too well. So okay. we'll be talking about that. Yeah. All right. I read a very interesting roundtable discussion in the New York Times Magazine um, led by Emily Bazelon about what colleges will look like in the fall. And um, it, it was interesting if you have a college kid going to college or applying to college, but I also thought there was a lot of application to workplace situations. So I'm just going to throw out some highlights of that particular article. Liz, speaking of workplace, you've got a couple of working it out questions. You're offering some workplace advice this week. What's on the docket? That's right. People post their questions in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, Leanne. We had one question about what do you do if your boss isn't wearing a mask and you're like, you're in close proximity. So that's an issue. And then I have some other advice about, about blind hiring and practices you can adopt in your workplace about a hire, how to hire more fairly, Leanne. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. 
All right, we have a $5 shout out coming up, some cooking with Liz, some entertaining sisters, and uh, a special show for next week. Uh, and I'm going to tell you about that at the end of the show. But this was certainly a week and a weekend full of just some amazing visuals on television, uh, peaceful protests all across the country. Calling all for over race- the world, Lee. Yeah, you're yeah. right, Joel. You're yeah. right. You're mm-hmm. right. All over the world calling for racial justice in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. I... I, I felt uplifted by this weekend. As downtrodden as I felt by last weekend, this weekend I felt sort of uplifted. And I spent the week doing what Michelle Obama called the hard work of self-examination. Uh, I loved that phrase, and I feel like I owed, I owed the world that. So I did that this week. And here's, here's the two things I, I can share. After a week okay. of listening to every podcast in America, every <laughs> every. <laughs> And I, I mean that in the best way. Any podcast that had anything to do with racial justice or injustice, I listened to this week because that's how I was working it out. And um, two things. Don't ask your black friends to teach you about racism. Check. I mean, seriously, that was really good advice because, because a lot of people are saying, check in with your black friends. And yeah. you know what? They don't want to teach you about racism. They are bummed out. They are... They right. are really having a rough time. They are processing this at a very different level. So don't ask your black friends to teach you about racism. Okay, I learned that this week. I'm passing that along. I, and two, a lot of my white friends really want to learn about racism. They're ready. Like, for whatever reason, they would never have characterized themselves as, like, having racist behaviors. But le- now they're rethinking, like, maybe I have some biases. Maybe there's been some stuff I've been doing. Maybe there are a lot of facts and figures I should know about. So I've been surprised how many conversations I've had with white friends that are trying to figure out what they can do or just not black friends to support what's happening in the world. And, yeah, it's uh, kind of like realizing that um, just active engagement is what it's going to take. So just doing the best you can to be a nice person is really not good enough if change is what we need, you know? Right, exactly. And when you listen to as many podcasts as I have this week, you know, like, this does seem like a singular moment where some Uh systemic change can actually happen. So following through with that in whatever way is possible for you is now is the time to do that. And I do not want to be on the wrong side of history on this one. So, uh, so I feel like it's been really a a week of self exploration for me. I'm I'm going to put up some lists of things I've been listening to, but there are fantastic lists all over the Internet by people with a lot more depth and experience in this topic than me uh, about what you should be reading and listening to and talking about. Uh, Gail King is doing a special tonight on CBS News. I find her a very trusted news source and she's my guide on a lot of issues, but particularly this. And then Oprah's doing a two night special on OWN. I saw saw that. Uh, So that's happening. Those are those are things that most people can access. But there's a lot of information out there. But you last know, week- I started I started kind of small. I actually with small ones. Uh, I saw a list uh, in The New York Times of books, uh, children's books that you can get that deal with ro- racism and protests and and speaking up and resist resistant movements. And I thought, well, that's, I'm, I ordered a bunch of books that I want to share with my grandchildren. Uh, I just thought that this would be a good, good way to have those discussions that they would learn. I would learn. And, um, and I think it's a good way to support African-American authors too. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was obviously we've all been thinking so much about this. I've been thinking a lot about how important it is to be explicit about my goals and you know to what to whatever extent I have a platform to use it in a more active way. So obviously we have this show, there's that, but also in another part of my life, I am part of a of an angel investing group where we invest in startup com- startup companies in the Pacific Northwest in the sports business. And that group of investors, there are about 40 of us in the group, and we are majority people of color and women. So we are majority minority as a group, which is kind of unusual as an investor group. And we see that as a real source of strength for us. And we invest with a lot of different founders. You know, people come to you, this is seed stuff. I'm starting a company, can you help me? But naturally, because we are majority people of color and women, we are attracted to companies founded by same. But we've never been explicit about that. We've never said, that's what we are in business to do as our group. We are specifically here to seek out um, uh, people of color and women who are starting these companies. So we had a long discussion last week about whether you, we should just make that our explicit mission and say so, you know, yeah. like to hmm. just sort of make sure we're putting it out there. I know we all understand it, but, you know, in business, they always say like what gets measured gets done, you know, and you kind of feel like, well, if you say it, if you make that as a goal, then it also leads you down a more constructive path of looking in new places, you know, whether it's employment or investment or anything, people always talk about the pipeline. Well, the pipeline is what you make of it. So if you're, if you're looking for, you know, young companies being started by, by people of color and women, then you might have to look in some unusual places. So it was just interesting with the group last week, you know, on another one of those insane to have have a conversation. Yeah. 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 To, To have a conversation about, okay, if we're explicit about that, what does that mean? And how does that change our behavior? So that's one of the things I'm working on. Well, I mean, we certainly got a lot of emails from every company in America that, you know, that just had yes. a wake up call last week. And, you know, good. Great. Right. And yeah. Now, if, again, it caused, now if it caused self-reflection, if it caused organizations to think about their own policies, their own procedures, the, or their organizational climate, I think that's good. I mean, yeah. I, you know, that that's important. I mean, it's but it's got to be. Solution. But it's got to be more than an email, just as Liz yeah. was saying. It's got to be that this ha- change has to be, um, it has to be grounded in action, even even if they're, mm-hmm. you know, small steps. Yeah. Well, we got a Facebook message uh, from one of our listeners. She's Canadian. And, um, and she's <laughs> basically, she said, nice try. Mira, Mira emailed us. She said, nice try on last week's show, but you, you got to get some black ladies on. And, and <laughs> I, at first I just... I read it and I stayed up all night and I thought we failed. We failed the mission. We failed. You know, that's, mm-hmm. we wanted to be part of the conversation. And, and, and then the more I thought about it, she said it with love and affection in her heart. And, I, and then I took it that way. I'm like, you know, we know our liabilities here. Like we're three white women. We're operating currently out of our closets. You know, we're not, we're not part of the news cycle where we can just call up, you know, experts on topics. Uh, and we know that. So, but we could make, we want to, 
we want to be part of this solution and part of this conversation. So, I mean, we would like to start with our Satellite Sisters community. There are things you feel like we should be addressing or talking about in a way that is organic to Satellite Sisters. Please let us know. Don't don't mm-hmm. hesitate. Don't hesitate. Mira, we hear we hear you. It was a little bit there was a little bit of sting at first, but we hear you, Mira. You're right. You're right. <laughs> We're like women in our closets. Yeah, we get it. Okay, right. <laughs> so okay. All right. What else is going on? Oh, well, I wanted to share, you know, I had a very exciting week here uh, in Dallas last week. It was my book club. We meet every six weeks. It's a great group of women. We, we were having a Zoom call and we had a guest speaker on our book club. And that was Leon Dolan was there uh, to discuss the Sweeney sisters. I had had gotten a copy of her book for everyone in the book club. And she was our special guest. Um, and Liz, I don't know if you've ever heard Leanne just speak about writing, uh, but I was so proud of you, Leanne. You, you're just, you know, you're very thoughtful as a writer. You had, um, it's a very informative um, little talk that you gave about how you develop characters, your in, the inspiration for the Sweeney sisters, how you drew on your own you know, uh, growing up in Southport, Connecticut, that, you know, things around you and how you pulled together sort of random things from like the universe, from, you know, news articles or from, in this case, you know, uh, satellite sister comments and and weave that into uh, storytelling. So it was just great to have you on the club, um, at the club. And of course, I was on mute the whole time, Liz, because, you know, this was Leanne's moment to shine. Course, I, there wasn't yeah. any, anything I had to add. <laughs> but at one point, she was referencing our grandfather, our maternal grandfather. And she said, and, you know, uh, he worked on a railroad. And then she was saying that she had included some reference to this in the book. Well, I just had to unmute myself and, like, buzz right in. I was like, our grandfather did not work on the railroad. He worked <laughs> at a beer factory. He worked at Hull's Beer in New Haven, Connecticut, which was like, at the time, there used to be uh, quite a few beer factories in that area, but that's what he did, right? But first of all, I think they're called breweries, not (laughs) beer factories, but okay. Well, Well, I think this was even before, Leanne, this was before there were like handcrafted breweries. This was like a, it was like a beer factory. And he well, was like a brewmaster. No, he was not a brewmaster. My recollection of our grandfather is that he drove a beer truck, that he <laughs> delivered beer. Isn't that what Papa did? No, I think he was the brewmaster, but he didn't work on a railroad. <laughs> he was not a brewmaster. We always had all those Hulls beer stickers we put all over everything. Yes, see? <laughs> Leon, Leon, well, this was like a shocking moment during the uh, the book club that we would have this controversy. But as many longtime listeners know, we there is the like Dolan family folklore and then there's Dolan family facts and that there's not a lot of intersection between those two things, right? Well, apparently everybody has their own version of the story because my grandfather drove a truck and delivered beer. <laughs> And my grandfather worked on the New Haven line. So, <laughs> so and my grandfather was, was crafting beer. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we're hoping that some of our cousins on on our mother's side of the family who listen to the show will buzz in with their own stories. But it was a time and an age where 
I, I first of all, adults didn't talk to children that much during that. That's true. Right. That's true. And they yeah. certainly didn't take their children to work, and they certainly didn't talk about their work. But, um, yeah. but it was beer, Leanne. No trains. <laughs> Well, I just find that unbelievable because that would have been super enjoyable to put in the book. So I don't know where I got this. I, I don't know why I would have made up that he worked on the New Haven line. I thought, <laughs> and again, and I would also like to say, I mean, not to hit home the point that I'm younger than you all. Uh, I did not know Papa like you did. He died when I was four, and that's the only grandparent yeah. I have even the slightest memory of. So he was not a part of my life. Life. He was just a. He was just a, a, a conductor on the railroad. That's what he was. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah. Thanks, Liz, for your help. Okay. Um, first, I just want to give you a quick update. Last week, I did a shout out to whatever book club I was supposed to appear at August 4th. Thank you. The Sugarland Texas Book Club has weighed in. Catherine, thank you so much. We have reconnected. I, I got the names of the people in your book club. I'm on it. We're good. So thank you. That worked. The system works. Sometimes the system works. I did a shout out. Another one of Catherine's book club members listens to the show as well. Called her and said, Leon is looking for you. So I got, <laughs> I got a Facebook message. Um, I just want to remind people, I am doing free book clubs. Every Wednesday night, I've set up an account at Crowdcast. All you have to do is sign up and be a part of it. You can be on camera, but you don't have to be. It's not like Zoom. There's a fun chat feature. You can ask questions. I'll answer them for an hour. I give a little backstory on the book. You can bring your whole book club, which would be great, or you can just bring yourself and bring part of the, you know, the, the book reading group. This is for people who have read the book. We do do spoilers. There's, it's a no holds barred conversation. So if you want to find out more about that, go to leandolan.com and under books, you'll click on the book club page and that will take you to the registration page for Crowdcast. Crowdcast is, is like a Zoom platform. You just need to give them an email to register, but it's totally free and this is free. And it's kind of, fun to use. It's a different type of platform. So thanks to the group that came last week, we had a very lively discussion with about 24 people and uh, only Brenna came on camera, but that's okay. Other people were telling me things like I'm in my pajamas, my glasses are on, like, no, that's fine. So um, I alternate between four o'clock West Coast time and four o'clock East Coast time. When you go to Crowdcast, the times you see are in your time zone. It knows where you live. That's the time in your time zone. Okay, that's at leandolan.com under books slash book clubs. All right, um, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to thank a couple of sponsors. Stay with us. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life, aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. <laughs> 
in no their kidding. skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils. I love it all. That duo they have going. Oh. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the Mega Moisture Duo. Yes. You can you can literally see your skin get firmer. And it just delivers this full body glow. Okay, you know we have raved about the Andaria Algae Body Oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria Collagen Body Oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz. A youthful yeah. glow is going to happen. <laughs> and it's infused with Osea's signature Andaria Seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself (laughs) because you're worth it. (laughs) That's that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code Sad Sisters. So this is it. This is a win-win-win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to OseaMalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. All right, we're back. What's happening now in the news? What do we got? Okay. What well, we got going on? You know, sisters, I got to say that now that we've moved into a phase of what, I don't know, the, the COVID-19 ambiguity or the loosening or changing of the regulations, I just have to confess that, and I knew this about my personality anyway, I'm just much happier with yes or no, black or white, go, no go. I'm finding it stressful that everything now is a decision. That right. you really, you really have to think about what your standards are, what the risks are. You know, I understand that life must go on, but okay, I know a certain thing, th- certain things for sure. My life does not include Las Vegas, right? That's not happening for me. Like my right. life, my life is not going to include casinos. There was a big story in the New York Times today about the reopening of casinos mm-hmm. and. That's not something that would have tempted me anyway. But like the, the do I get a haircut? Do I accept an invitation to a friend's for dinner? All of that stuff now requires some thoughtful evaluation. And it's just, it's almost easier just to stay home. But <laughs> Well, that's not right. Well, no, I, I don't think that, right. I mean, I can understand that. It does, it, it, personal responsibility, personal decision-making, that's what, that's what you have to do. Uh, here in Texas, we're we're more open than you are in California, so we're a couple weeks ahead of you in terms of in terms of things. But there's a lot of situations that you find you just have to decide what's your comfort level. But, yes. You know, yeah. But and, you do but the- want. I mean, I do want to support businesses. I do. You know, I, I do want to try to uh, to exercise and very you know various things that I want back in my life that I didn't have when we were in strict quarantine. So um, so I think it is a personal choice. You know, you're getting some guidance, although it's it seems like the guidance is a lot more muddled about you know what's safe and what's not safe. So well, yeah, and the personal decision, the taking personal responsibility, I get, but the part that trips me up is that it's not responsibility for whether. 
I get sick or not. I can, I'll take that responsibility. Of course, that's always my responsibility. What's so, uh, what's so hard about COVID-19 is really you're making other people sick. It's, are you, are you a spreader? So that's where I feel like it's not really just about your comfort zone. It's really about your responsibility to your community. And it makes it, it makes it a whole level harder. But there was a, a story in the paper today that, um, let's see, Jill in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group already posted in the group that we, we were going to talk about. And it's, it's sort of a five-step thing, ways to, five rules to live by during a pandemic. And so you should go there. I'll put a link in the show notes too. But number three, I thought was particularly interesting and sort of spoke a language that I could appreciate. It said, Manner, manage your exposure budget because risk is cumulative. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting because obviously you can do a few things, but just don't do a lot of things. And they compared it to something that I think all of us can understand. Weight Watchers points. <laughs> Did you read that? It's like, no. really? yes, yeah. They compared it to Weight Watchers points, Lee. And that really, if you think about your cumulative risk over the course of a day or a week and you're limiting it you know you're you're not spending very on the places that are the highest exposure to big groups of people you're spending small amounts of time there but on other times you're like outside where it's not as much of an exposure but really thinking about your exposure budget so that's some language i can get behind so that <laughs> makes me <laughs> Okay. And who's going to set your exposure budget for you, Liz? <laughs> well, of course I have to do that. I've, nobody can do that for me, but it's just, it's just a way of thinking about how, because my personality tends to be all or nothing at all, but that right. is not what's called for right now, Julie. Yeah. What's called for yeah. right now is limitations, not just so you stay healthy, but so you keep your community healthy. And so that's what I'm going. I'm going with the Weight Watchers points approach to COVID-19 risk management. Now, that's, you know, with Weight Watchers, there's just plenty of foods that are zero points that you yeah. just eat all day yeah. long. <laughs> and with COVID-19, then that's known as staying home, Julie. Yes, I can do whatever I want. Staying home alone, unlimited points, unlimited <laughs> points, because it's zero exposure. So again, it all, it all comes down to that point, a point system. I, I, Liz, I, I feel like if you wait a week, there will be an app for this. So don't <laughs> worry. There's going to be somebody read that same article and they're developing that app right now. So I think it's a good one. Good idea. Okay. Good okay. idea. Okay. Okay. We'll check back on that. <laughs> you know, sisters, as, as you know, and as everybody who's listened uh, over the last couple of months know that I was teaching my grandson, uh, P uh, Peter, as part of this big online e-learning experiment when all the schools closed. Well, there's some new research out now that suggests that by September, mo most students will have fallen behind in their, in their classrooms, that some some students, depending on what they did during this period uh, uh, of e-learning, will have lost a full year's worth of academic gain. So this, for some students, uh, another way to say that is for some students, this year is a total wipeout. You know, the 2019-2020 oh, wow. year, it's out. This is an article that's in the New York Times. It's written by Dana Goldstein, who just, uh, by the way, 
was the maid of honor at my son's wedding. And she gave a lovely <laughs> toast uh, about our daughter-in-law, uh, Lauren. Uh, but I digress. Oh. Really? Oh, yes, okay. yes. Well, that's so a key she, detail, she works, Julie. Okay. Uh, she works on education for the New York Times. So mm-hmm. anyway, but back to the research. Sadly, and this is not surprising at all, it's what you can, you know, intuitively you can, you can assume that uh, racial and socioeconomic uh, achievement gaps will widen even more. That e-learning did, was not a way to teach young children in particular. I could tell you that. Um, and then you, you layer on poor internet connections, weak online programming. You know, many students just didn't show up at all during right. the e-learning process, which is just, you know, so terrible and hard uh, for them. And that um, this is, you know, this is really going to have a long-term impact because now as schools start to think about coming back, um, you know, they, you know, some, some school districts didn't require any online instructions at all. They just shut down their schools. And that's, oh, I didn't uh, realize that. Yes, that it's very, really varied, Leanne. I mean, they oh. might have like assigned some books to read, but there was no interactive teachers weren't leaving videos and things like that. They just didn't have that. So the prospects for the fall are daunting. I mean, because in addition, you're going to have this big gap that students are, are going to try to come back if they can. But then the schools have to now contend with temp- temperature checks, hand-washing protocols, PPE, cleaning supplies, smaller class sizes. And, you know, this is really just going to put a giant crunch on everything. Um, and it's going to mean many things like counseling, which is so important in middle and, high, you know, in high school. That may be squeezed out. Early pre-K programs may be squeezed out. Reading specialists, all these things that are so critical for so many kids to achieve grade level success might not, you know, it may just not happen. So it's not good news. I'm sorry to share that, but it's important and it's important that we all know that. Right, right. Right. We next week on the show, I'm going to tell you a little bit that, bit about this at the end. We're doing just a special. I'm I'm getting on with Steph and Sue of Parenting Your Teen with Steph and Sue, and they're taking questions. And already we have several questions on the Facebook group. Like this year was a complete wash. Now what do I do? So, uh, yeah, I that is a very challenging for school districts, for parents, and for teachers. Yeah. Thanks, Julie. Well. Um, I, one other thing, Leanne and Liz, just remember in April, I know it's hard to even think about April, but we talked about the College Board's plan to offer an at-home version of the SAT. Oh, and yeah. at the yeah. time we said, we said, right, we said this was a terror, this really wasn't a good idea for a high-stakes test, uh, just the opportunity to cheat, the inequalities. Well, guess what? The College Board agreed with us, and they have decided to um, postpone that. Uh, they're, they're not going to do at-home testing. So that's a whole nother thing that is not happening right now. So um, it's, it's going to be, so for kids that are applying to college this year, it really is, um, it's, it's just, it's all up in the air. 
it's all up in the air. Right. Well, Julie, I just want to follow up with a piece I read in, in the New York Times magazine. Uh, it was a roundtable discussion led by Emily Bazelon, who's a journalist that I admire. And um, she had on us, it was the, entitled, What Will College Be Like in the Fall? And she had on a, a couple of presidents of colleges, one uh, from Ohio State, who also happens to be a physician, one from Hollins, a small liberal arts school in Virginia, one from Morehouse. She had on an epidemiologist, a former president of Yale. She also had on a union leader. Um, uh, who leads the dining hall workers, right? So those are all the people like on the campus. And so it's this roundtable discussion. And here's a couple things that came out of it. I encourage you to read the whole article, particularly if you have a child going to, to college in the fall or applying or you work at a college. I know we have a lot of college professors. We even have some college presidents that listen to the show. So uh, you probably already read this and thought about all these things. But here's a couple of the highlights from the article. Um, there's a lot of good science in there too. Uh, but here's one. So the big concept they're looking at is keeping your pod of people small, right? We just talked about that, inviting right. a few people into your bubble. So how about this? Remember the people that you lived on your floor freshman year, right? Uh -huh. 10 strangers showing up. You're all on the same floor. You all go to dinner for a while because you don't know anybody else. Imagine if you had to spend the entire semester with them. Classes, <laughs> living, eating. That's one of the solutions. Like treating these floors or suite mates as like your own pot of people. And that's who you move through the first semester with. It's okay. Just oh, think wow. about that. I, I don't like think that. that's going to work. I, I I think people will bust out of their pods, Lynn. These I, are just ideas, right? Okay, These are just, okay, just okay. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So in rural colleges, you're going to be able to expand that pod. Again, you're trying to limit exposure, but right. if you do enough testing, you know, if you're a small college in the middle of Ohio, sure, maybe the whole campus becomes like a, a COVID-free zone and it is safe so you can expand the pod. So makes an argument for going to a small liberal arts school in the middle of Ohio, <laughs> for instance. All right. So, okay. but if you're at the smaller college and this is just a word, this phrase I thought strikes fear in the, every 18, 19, 20 year olds brain, no longer a case of unlimited freedoms, your movement and your socialization will be restricted and you may have to sign up for a tracking app. Oh, oh my man. gosh, that'll be very popular. Actually, <laughs> most of the most of the college presidents said that the tracking app would be voluntary. That's something they actually had to do at Harvard when there was a mumps outbreak a couple of years ago. Students could sign up. The first sign of a of an infection, first sign of a symptom, they would send a doctor or a nurse to the dorm room and then they would isolate that person. So that's that's the kind of stuff you want to move about sort of freely, but no college, no longer going to be a case of unlimited freedoms. Uh, getting the community to cooperate is one of the big ideas they're working on. And this was particularly, this was espoused by the president of Morehouse. He said, where we have always tethered education to community responsibility. And now we are going to have to work on, this is only going to work if we all do it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, again, famously, think of the guy who showed up every day, like in class in a bathrobe. Do you think he's going to be signing up for the tracking uh -huh. app? <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't want to be in his pod. How do I prevent being in that pod? Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. 
The dining hall workers are really at the greatest risk in a college community. In this particular union in Boston, 85% were brown or black people. They are dealing with two things. They are afraid to get to work on public transportation, but they want to work to maintain, you know, their health insurance. So they have to, colleges and universities are going to really have to work closely with unions to make sure that they stay safe. They're doing, have to do a lot of testing. So that will be unusual. But here's the fun side. Imagine this. Forget even going to the dining hall. Your dining hall could be delivering dinner to you. So kids will never get out of bed, right? They're (laughs) never going to leave. I mean, it's bad enough now that they barely have to leave stuff. I get, oh my gosh, the dining hall. Those those dorm rooms are going to be disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) I liked hanging out at the dining hall for hours at a time. Like in the corner, in the back where all your friends knew you were going to be there. So people would just come and go. It was a nice social life there. And that was back in in the day where you could actually smoke in the dining hall, if you can believe (laughs) it. You could just sit around and smoke your head off all day in the dining hall. Times have really changed. (laughs) Unlimited freedom. Unrestricted freedoms you had. It was. It was. Yeah. Uh, And then one last one piece that actually sounded interesting to me. A couple of colleges are considering starting earlier in August, and then the whole semester wraps up at Thanksgiving. That's what UT Austin's going to do, Lee. Yeah. 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 To try to limit the back and forth. Yeah. That does make sense to me. So there you go. That's what college could look like in the fall. So uh, uh, get ready. Get ready for your tracking apps and your res- uh, your restricted freedom. <laughs> oh, poor kids. Just have poor to bring a bathrobe to college. That's it. It's really going to cut down on clothes that you have to buy. Right? And laundry. Yeah. Laundry. You know, one of the things that worries me about all of this, you know, the, the necessity to make your pod smaller is that it's happening at the same time that we're talking about expanding our exposure to people whose experiences are different than ours. Yes, you know, and it seems like exactly. th- those two things are definitely going to work against each other. If you're limiting who you're socially exposed to, I, it's just really, that's an issue that really I worry about. You know, Liz, it, just, it came it, up, it came up in this round table discussion and they said it's particularly true of low income and minority students, first generation college students, the actual what they learn socially is equally as important to their success later on in the world as what they're learning in the classroom. Like having that exposure right. to a completely different world is super, super important. And it goes both ways, like both, exactly. those, both those yeah. exchanges. But they said it it does it does tend to affect uh, low income first generation minority college students more. Yeah. yeah. No, it's yeah. A, it's an issue. That is a super challenge. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, moving on, we've now offered or I've offered to help people tackle some of the new workplace issues that are coming or just random workplace issues that come up all the time. If you post them in our Facebook group, there's a thread there and, you know, we'll do, uh, we'll do one or two every week. So we, I have two issues I want to talk about this week. One was, this is just a fundamental question from Becky and it's about sneezing sisters. It's about sneezing. Yes, it's come to that. And here's what her letter said. She said, my husband and his boss were meeting together, hubby in his mask, boss choosing not to wear one. His boss suddenly sneezed, not even attempting to cover his sneeze with his arm or hand or anything. There's nothing that can be done about the in-air sneeze now, but if it were to happen again, can you think of something my husband could say? It's such rude behavior 
even in non-corona times, but now it just feels irresponsible. Well, I'd say it goes way beyond the irresponsible, Becky. This is a real issue of workplace safety. And what I would say to everyone, the same thing I was saying about myself, you have to kind of be explicit about your standards and put your standards out there, which means I would recommend to your husband or to anyone in a workplace, don't wait around till someone sneezes on you a second time. Your husband and all of the coworkers need to make sure that masking is the standard. Uh, you know, until such point as the public health health experts tell us that is not what's going to prevent transmission, uh, your husband needs to say to your boss, and I know this is super hard because there are the obviously it's the power structure that makes it hard. It would be true in any organization. If the person with all the power is not wearing a mask, then the other people don't feel like they can speak up about it. But I would say, you know, even if your husband has to make up an immunocompromised relative to just be able to say to your boss, you know, I know that to say to your boss that you'll only be in meetings where everyone is masked because you are protecting someone at home. I don't know how else to sort of get them to have like a normal human empathetic response. Now, there are some companies where there are HR people who are setting and enforcing the rules, which was so this should be an issue. Again, HR people never want to go to the boss and say, OK, boss, you're doing it wrong. But I know from doing Safe for Work, my workplace advice show for a number of years that a lot of people work in places where there are no HR departments. You know, where yeah, there's small you know, businesses. There's, right. Yes, it's, you yeah. know, it's mom and pop shops. It's a small accounting office. It's something like that. And so you can't, there's no neutral authority you can turn to. So this is where we kind of have to support each other and say, you know, community standards are important. It's all for one, one for all. So in the nicest possible way, your husband needs to find a way to say to his boss, if I'm in a meeting, everyone needs to be wearing a mask. And I don't know any other way around this. The, right. I guess the third alternative is, of course, this, because it relates so much to workplace safety now, you can call OSHA and you can report an unsafe workplace. You know, that, that seems a little radical here. I would always say the first thing to do is to try to have a thoughtful conversation. Yeah. I don't know what you guys think about that, but you got to put it out there. Well, my All husband's right. trying to get people back to work and you know, the Pasadena Health Department, his office, they're going to be checking. Like, so it's not that radical to call OSHA. Like, health departments will be checking to see if you're complying. My hairdresser said the same thing. They will have regular checks at the salon to make sure they're complying. So, yeah, there, yeah. May, there may be really a good out. Like, the health department may be your best out. Like, hey, the health department says we have to do X. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right. I would yeah, but that. don't. Don't wait for it to happen a second time, Becky. That's that's not what's called for here. Just put the standards out there. Um, and then the second issue I wanted to address today is the question that we raised at the top of the show is what we can each do to support race, racial justice. And in this case, racial justice in the workplace. And I put a really good article in the show notes and it's called, uh, Dear White People, Here Are 10 Action Steps You Can Take. And Julie, as you said, it's about specific action. And the article is from Forbes, very well written, very thoughtful. And, you know, most of the suggestions are pretty obvious, um, you know, including, you know, mentor a person of, of color or 
don't work for companies that are not diverse. But there was one that um, I wanted to mention because I've talked about it a lot in the past, like when I give speeches or on Safe for Work, which is encourage an objective selection process. And what this means is that, you know, it's in the hiring process that people get weeded out, where the, you know, what's often called culture fit, you know, that's a huge red flag to me when people have interviewed a, a candidate and somebody says, well, I just don't know if they're a culture fit. I think in, in a lot of places, culture fit is just code for not one of us. And it's a way of extending a monoculture. And the more casual a hiring process is, the easier it is to get away with this. And it's it's not that people are plotting to keep people out. It is just the natural human reaction to things. So I would say um, objective criteria when you're hiring people are really key to making sure all kinds of people get welcomed into your culture. And you need to be explicit about that. And you need to make sure that the people interviewing candidates are themselves a diverse group. So, you know, most groups, most companies I know now, especially larger companies, they have like interview panels. Well, just make sure the interview panels represent a wide range of people within the organization and that then when you're getting feedback from them, it's not like, yeah, I liked her or she was great or not a culture fit. You, because you have objective criteria for the job, they are responding to things that you know you really need. And there's, there's something called a blind hiring process, which I am fascinated by because it started back in the 70s when symphony orchestras, you think, well, you know, how does that apply to regular workplaces? But symphony orchestras were largely made up of white men. And in effort to increase the diversity, the orchestras began holding auditions behind a curtain. It seems so ah. obvious. Behind a curtain. So the judges could only make their decisions based on the performance, on what they were hearing. They didn't know, male or female, black or white or Asian or any of that. And just as a result of that experiment, 25 to 45% more women were hired across orchestras around America. Wow. And yeah, it was very dramatic, a very dramatic result. And the way you can do this in a, you know, uh, in a more normal workplace is you can take identifying characteristics off people's resumes during the first pass through the mm -hmm. resumes, yeah. you know, remove names, remove things that would be an indication. And the evidence shows over and over again that that really works. So the, this whole article I put in the show notes, and that's just something I wanted people to think about, like no matter what your workplace is, there's probably a way you can make hiring more fair. You know, so, you know, that's that's good information, Liz. It is about checking your own bias. Yeah. Anytime yeah. you're doing that selection that happens. So you have to be aware of your own bias and preferences and work work against that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not it's it's not necessarily ill will or anything. It's just you have a gut reaction to things that you may not be aware of. Also, in the show notes, I put two extra links. One is a link to uh, HBR Harvard Business Review has a podcast called Women and Work, Women at Work that I listen to a lot. And so they released an episode this week about how different the experiences of black women and white women can be in the workplace and wow. also, and how we can support each other more. And it's really an interesting discussion because these are 
professors that have done serious research into this. So you get a lot of first person stories from both black women and white women about how they've been treated in the workplace. So I put a link to that. And then also I put a link to a book that I really liked on Safe for Work last year. We interviewed a professor at NYU Business School. Her name is Dolly Chug, and she wrote a book called The Person You Mean to Be, How Good People Fight Bias. And again, it's just sort of useful ways to think about how you behave, how you use your platform, reactions you may be having to things that you are not even aware of. When we interviewed her, on Safe for Work, I remember she told us, uh, she said she was shocked. She had someone count over the course of multiple classes who she called on in her class at NYU. And she was shocked to find out that she called on men a lot more than she called on women. And hmm. she never would have known that if it hadn't been measured. Anyway, so links in the show notes to that. And um, just wanted to pass that along. Thanks, Liz. Good, good information. All right, we are going to take a break, then we're going to be back. Uh, we have a little bit of cooking with Liz happening, and we have some entertaining sisters in our to-do list. But first, we want to thank our sponsors here on Satellite Sisters. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm -hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz. My hair from Pros is getting... Leon, I am not surprised. You have been on that pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. I, do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Leon Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when I, my hair is really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you, you're the boss. I'll take it. <laughs> you tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leon's. Okay? And I'm, I'm using it. Pros isn't just better for you. It's also better for the planet, Liz. They're certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. So, Pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos, too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, Pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. Okay, sisters, you know that during the uh, this time of quarantine, I've been using some of my at-home time to brush up on some cooking skills, right? Mm -hmm. And you both have been very helpful, uh, sort of guiding me in the direction of like, how to make things that I should just know how to make that would always be good to cook for myself or friends in the event that I ever invite friends over again. So I've been doing these as videos in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, live videos called Cooking with Liz. So this week I did 
summer rolls and dipping sauces. So it was a little bit out of my usual comfort zone, but it had been recommended by my friend Robin, who had gone to Vietnam with her mom a few years ago, and they went to cooking school in Vietnam, and there they were taught by a famous uh, Vietnamese-American chef from Sacramento named Mae Pham. So um, they just looked so delicious. Julie, you were watching. I mean, not that mine looked good, but you lived in Southeast Asia. <laughs> well, the, Liz, <laughs> I know you were given those. You really weren't very complimentary of your own work there. Well, I thought they were okay. They look fine, yeah. Liz. Okay. And it looked yeah. like delicious, fresh food. Okay. Yeah. Who doesn't love a nice vegetable roll like that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing I would say, just evaluating my work, is when you're making a summer roll, you really can't go wrong with how they taste because it's just like fresh vegetables and things. And I had shrimp in mine and a little bit of mango. So even though they did not, they were not that visually appealing, uh, they tasted delicious. But then the other thing I made were two dipping sauces. One was the traditional nak cham sauce, which is, that's what includes like fish sauce and chili paste. And another one had hoisin sauce with ginger. And um, so the, uh, I think those two, that was actually pretty fun to make, the, uh, the dipping sauces. So in the future, um, the, uh, uh, in the future, I might recommend well, to myself and to others, that I can get a lot of good takeout rolls from Vietnamese and Thai restaurants. Yes. Live. Yeah. So maybe, yes. maybe what I want to be doing, Leon, is um, uh, taking out the rolls, but then making the sauces myself. What do you think of that? Oh, okay. That would be. That that's, seems uh, to there make was sense. a whole whole show called Semi Homemade Liz, and yes. that's a good strategy for cooking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You make some stuff. You know, uh, our mom used to say it's homemade, just not in our home. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, so yeah. So that's my review of this this past weekend's cooking with Liz. All the videos are in the Facebook group. So I have a question and an announcement. The question is now, since I'm starting to make recipes recommended by friends, my friend Chris is really encouraging me to buy a pizza stone and try making a pizza. So. What do you think about that? Is it worth it for me to buy a pizza stone? My concern um, is that it might be something I would do once just for fun and then never again. Or, yeah, or right? the other concern could be that you do it and you love it and you start eating pizza every single night. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. I mean, you can make the cauliflower crust, okay, but, but you know, it's, uh, it's a slippery slope, Liz. I, I don't recall you ever eating pizza. Well, that's another thing. I'm not yeah. a huge pizza eater. Okay. <laughs> okay. It doesn't yeah. seem like a good direction to go in. Yeah. Okay. Pizza stones are, are giant. And I know you can cook other things on them, but they're like, we got one for our wedding. And about every year we say to ourselves, should we just throw this pizza stone away? And we go through pizza phases. And, but it's a, it's a big thing to have in your kitchen if you're not going to regularly use it. That's okay. what I would say. Okay. That's All right. My advice. Okay. Well, thank you for your feedback. Okay. Yeah. And now, now my announcement. Cooking with Liz is taking this week off. So uh -huh. we won't have any episodes this weekend. Really, it's been exhausting. I've had 11 seasons. 11 seasons. So I'm taking this week off to work on plans for a, I'm just calling it a 4th of July extravaganza. 
Uh, I'm not sure what that will be. And it probably won't be on the 4th of July. So don't get too literal about that. But like some holiday cooking that I may, maybe it's outdoors, you know, maybe there's some grilling. Maybe it's, I don't know. That's what I'm going to be working on this week. So no cooking with Liz this week, but plenty to watch in the Facebook group if you want to catch up. Excellent. Okay. Uh, Liz, I did see that someone wanted to know on Instagram if you were posting posting on instagram is that are you still posting on instagram as well yes yes it's been i have to admit it's been a little random over there what i was posting because we've been trying to do other things on instagram too so i was trying to stay out of the way but yes slowly everything is making its way to instagram yes you can expect it there excellent good hey i want to give a quick uh five dollar satellite sister shout out to robin robin's been posting regularly in our facebook group she is donating her kidney today she is that that's amazing amazing it's a really nice thing to do particularly at this time it's been touch and go because she didn't know if the surgery was going to be rescheduled she'd done all the blood work and she was ready to go she's at ucla robin we wish you and your recipient all the best that's an amazing gesture we're so glad you're you're posting on Satellite Sisters Facebook group so we can be a part of it. But a big $5 shout out to you, Robin. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. All right. Entertaining Sisters. Julie, you have a book to recommend. I do have a book that I think you both would like. I think many people in the Satellite Sisterhood would like this. It's titled Leave Only Footprints, My Acadia to Zion Journey Through Every National Park. And this is written by Connor Knighton. And he is a CBS correspondent. Some of you may know him. And he took a year-long trip after his engagement was called off, uh, which, which is sad. And he writes about that in the book. But he has a fun writing style. Uh, it's easy to read, particularly if you feel distra- distracted these kind of days. You know, you can read in chunks. But it's got fabulous information about our national parks. Like, Leon, one right up the street for you that you should definitely check, Channel Island National Park. Have you ever been there? I never have. See, Leon, and you know why you should go? Because I read this book, and according to Connor Knightland, this is, they have a fox recovery program there. Oh. And they oh. have Channel <laughs> Island foxes there. And really? There's, there's, really, Leon, they're smaller than a house cat and cuter. That's what he writes in the book. Uh, so lots of, Liz, I think you need some zen, and I've got the perfect park for you. Okay. You need to go to the Sequoia National Park, okay? Mm-hmm. And they have a trail there, Liz. It's really easy. It's called the yes. Big Tree trail don't you love the name of that they really went all out and they have big (laughs) trees there liz no people just big trees okay you know yeah that sounds good it's for a little forest bathing right we've talked about that before i could probably use some forest bathing yes so i i'm but i'm enjoying reading this book i you know it of course it talks about yellowstone but a lot of other uh, national parks that maybe, you know, you're, we're not as familiar with, and maybe you're not going to visit them this summer, but this is fun. This is a fun way to take a little journey, but Leon, you got to go check out those channel Island foxes. Yeah. That's a good tip, Jill. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. When again, I'm laying low till the end of July, but then after that, who knows? I may leave the house. Yep. <laughs> it's outdoors. So but national parks, you know, of course, some of them are get very busy, but I know they're going to have all kinds of protocol um, for COVID-19 um, and they're just such a treasure and it's fun yes, to read. Treasure. Think, 
I think about them. Okay, that's a good recommendation, Joel. All right, my entertaining recommendation this week is that uh, the New York Times Events is launching a series online called Offstage. And it is uh, Broadway performers and Broadway plays, which had to go dark when everything closed, coming back and doing numbers from their shows or talking about their shows. And so this is, it launches this Thursday night. It will be online. It's not a live performance, right? They've, they've recorded these various people doing things and it's at 7 PM this Thursday, but because it's recorded, I'm sure it will, it will stay online. So like this Thursday, it'll be Patty Lupone, Katrina Lenk and the cast of company, and oh, that show, that show wow. got shut down, but they're going to do the opening number from company. So that sounds oh, wow. good. Uh, Mary Louise Parker is going to do a monologue from The Sound Inside, her show that got shut down. Uh, playwright Jeremy O. Harris, who wrote Slave Play, he's going to be talking about Slave Play. And Jagged Little Pill, the musical. Uh, oh. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Stanley is going to sing from Jagged Little Pill. So there you go. A little bit of Broadway that you can watch uh, online. And I'm like live theater is just an institution that I'm really, really concerned about. You know, like it just seems it's going to be so hard for them to come back. Anyway, this right. is what I'm going to be doing this Thursday night. It's called Offstage. Mm, okay. Good recommendation, Liz. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, I'd like to see that jagged little pill for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next week on the show, it's a special show because uh, for a bunch of reasons, we've had to shift a lot of guests that we had regularly scheduled around because we're all broadcasting from our closets. So it's actually very hard to add guests to the show, uh, just tech technically. Um, so next week, it's just me on the show, but I'm going to be interviewing Sue and Steph of the podcast, Your Teen with Sue and Steph. They run a, a parenting website, an online resource called Your Teen, and they have been doing incredible work uh, throughout the entire pandemic, every single day, talking to different experts on Facebook about all the issues that you're facing with your middle schoolers, your high schoolers, and your college kids at home. They're also very active members of our Satellite Sisters Facebook group. Group. And I've been on their show and I was happy to have them on our show, but it seems like now is the time to do a whole special on pandemic parenting. So we have posted in the Facebook group. You can have access to their online magazine. You can take a look at their Facebook, uh, all their Facebook lives, and you can put your own questions down for next week. If you have specific questions about what's happening at your house now, this summer, in the fall, they're related to your middle school or high school or a college kid. They are going to be ready to offer up their best advice on how to make it through this summer. And um, good I mean, really, people need advice. So I'm excited for that. It will just be Lee and Sue and Steph. So you guys take the week off. Enjoy it. <laughs> It's just, just the three of us. Just the three of us. Uh, but I look forward to that, and I look forward to uh, the Satellite Sisterhood community participating in that with their questions. I think it's going to be very helpful for a lot of our people. We would like to say thank you to a bunch of people. First, we'd like to thank Sergio Enriquez for connecting us and making us sound good. We miss you, Sergio. We know you're safe. We talked to you briefly at the beginning and the end of each show, but we miss seeing you, Sergio. Yes. So thank yes. you for everything you do for Satellite Sisters. Um, all right. You have, you guys have the week off, so relax. Take it. Chillax out there. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. What, what do you have on your to-do list, though? Joel, what do you have on your to-do list? 
Well, my to-do list is a to-done list because in a flurry of activity this week, I booked three medical appointments and as well, I'm going to get the wind, my windows washed and my garage door fixed. All. Wow. So I'm going to be hey. really busy. I have no time to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a good thing. Yeah. Know. Wow. Well, things just build up. You know, you, right. I mean, it's real. it is really important to, you know, uh, you know, your own health care is important and, you, and, and to keep up on stuff. So uh, I just I made up some appointments and I, I you know, I got some slots and I'm going to do it. So yeah. done. My to do is to done. Slots are open. Slots fired are shut. open. Uh, <laughs> all right, Liz, you fired up. What are you doing? Well, okay. Thanks for the week off, Liam, because I think I'm going to need it. You know, probably the only good thing about the pandemic at the beginning, you know, in March is when they announced that we didn't have to get our taxes in by April 15th. Remember that feeling of like relief and, oh my God, I have forever. Now I have until July 15th. Oh my God, that well, that's never happening, right? And then because we lost all track of time, which is the nature of a pandemic, it just didn't seem like time was going by and that tax deadline was never really going to arrive. Well, it has. Okay, it really is time. Uh, the very same pile of receipts and things that I had at the end of my bed here in my second bedroom in the uh, in the satellite sister's office. That pile is still just sitting there at the end of the bed. And now I actually have to sort through it and get it done because apparently July 15th really is going to happen. And uh, right. so I just yeah. got it. I have yeah, to the wait. IRS is open for business. That's oh, for sure. yeah. 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 Okay. So, so here's, yeah. The headline is time has actually passed, even though it felt like time stopped and July 15th is coming. So that's me, Leanne taxes. All right. Well, what I am going to, I'm going to watch my son's college graduation online and that <laughs> it will be a bittersweet day. You know, he's there. He's still in Olympia. He's going to be actually producing his own graduation, which is really funny. He's going <laughs> to be on campus actually shooting the graduation speakers and things like that, that they'll broadcast live. And I'm going to be in my home watching it on some Zoom link. But, uh, you know, he's still finishing up. It's still been a really great four years for him up there. Uh, he managed to really hang in the last uh, term here you know they're on a they're on term they're on quarters so the last quarter was tough it was all online and he figured it out and he did it and he stayed safe and that's it we are done with college tuitions <laughs> well that's okay, well that's right wow. i think you should get all dressed up get yourself a nice like, cake lean uh and, I was going to do that. I am going to, I like, I started to book some things that day and then I thought I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make it a special day and just take the day off and do whatever I need to do to sort of celebrate in our own way. I'm sorry right. that we can't be together and we're just going to have that fake Photoshopped photo, but that's okay. I'm going <laughs> to, it's going to be special, Liam. That's going to be very special. The fact that you will always know it's a fake photo will say everything about the spring of 2020 though, right? Yeah. So it's okay. I think it really meets the moment. It meets the moment. <laughs> All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Stay safe, everyone. Have a good week. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.